So, uh, Rick and Brenda, these two chairs right here are yours. Where'd Brenda go? Right here. Right there. Oh, there she is. How can I miss you? So, Rick and Brenda, we have these two special. You can move the one out of the sun. You have my permission to move it in the shade. Okay? Put them both in the shade. Put them both in the sun. Do what? So, I'm going to trip over all this stuff up here. Okay. So, will this work like that? Okay, is that going to work? Am I on? I don't know. You can tell we rehearsed this, right? Five? So we're going to see if this comes on. So am I hot? I know I'm hot, right? The question is, is the mic hot? The mic's not hot. Do I need to get another mic? Oh, throw that mask on the ground. I think you're going to have to stay, Rick, and run the sound system for the next several years. So. You're good, there. Okay, there we go. So we're good. Yeah. So Rick and Brenda don't know we're going to do this, and uh, that's why I had to move their because they moved their chairs over there instead of over here. Where I asked. I thought we were going to be in the camera. You were in camera. Oh, okay. Okay, my bad. You can tell we didn't practice this. So I got together an elite committee from our church family. I chose the brightest minds, the most creative people in our whole entire congregation. And I told them we wanted to give you a a special gift this morning from all of us. And uh, this creative group, this uh, brain trust that I asked for help, their first suggestion was matching bicycles. And so our vision was to give you matching bicycles, same color. You go back to Philadelphia, you could ride together. Pink. I don't know, is Rick secure enough to ride a pink bike? I'm certainly not. And so that suggestion kind of got some enthusiasm going. And then I remembered all the bicycles you've ever had in Philadelphia were stolen. Yeah. Not, not that you stole them, but they were stolen from you. I ought to, clar- I ought to clarify that. So we ditched the matching bicycles idea. And then somebody suggested, what about bottomless Philly Chiefs cheesesteak sandwiches? That you would have a lifetime supply of Philly cheesesteak sandwiches. That's what got right there. And then, of course, we knew you're both health nuts with, you know, organic this, organic that, pure this, and kind of the Philly cheesesteak thing really didn't fit that agenda. And then someone else came up with what I thought was kind of the most brilliant idea. would be a lifetime pass to the Philadelphia Eagles football games. What? But then we realized that that would bring a lot of sadness into your life when Chewy's Cowboys beat them every year. (laughs) And so... So we, we just knew that, that that idea wasn't going to fly either. So what I've, what I've created this morning is a all-star lineup of uh, members of our church family that are going to come and share a gift of gratitude with you for what you've meant to us, what you've meant to our church family. And so uh, the batting order... Um, 
That is going to lead off. He's our lead off batter, representing our outreach commission and Heights of Grace. And uh, all good lead off batters, of course, uh, want to lay down a good bunt on the third baseline and get on base. And so then that will be followed by uh, Dave to uh, speak on behalf of our elders and express appreciation. Uh, Dave's job, of course, is not only to move that over, but also to get on himself. And then uh, Maggie is going to come, and she has that important and critical role of being the third hitter in the lineup. And if she can't get an RBI, uh, then uh, Ron, Ron is batting cleanup. And uh, his job, of course, is to either jack one out of the yard or uh, at least get a base hit. Uh, the most important person in any lineup, I feel, is the number five hitter. That's the place I always wanted to bat. And so Chewie's in that slot batting fifth. And uh, he's just going to represent all of us, expressing appreciation for uh, your love and care for our church family. Uh, Tim's going to bat and come up in that sixth slot, uh, representing Urban Hope Los Angeles and speaking for them. And, our number eight hitter is uh, Lulu, and she's going to come and express appreciation for your uh, ministry among us in prayer. And of course, the sad news with any manager who's managing a lineup is you have to figure out what to do with the weakest hitter. And the weakest hitter, of course, always bats last. And uh, I'll get to fill that slot. So our leadoff hitter, that's going to come and start, and then each of our speakers are going to come in turn. And uh, I asked them only to speak for three to four minutes so that we can be done before dinner time. And uh, we'll, the stopwatch will start now. You're on bet. Wow, no pressure. No pressure, Roy. Um, so um, when Roy asked me to do this, obviously a lot of prayer goes into it. Um, I know it's hot. So I'm going to keep it short. And unfortunately, my governor is not here. My wife, she's normally telling me to get off the stage. Um, it's been a while since I've been up here in front of you all. So i, I got a couple of scriptures that I want to share. Um, Roy uh, so kindly did the work for me uh, to a degree. Um, so we're going to go to uh, Acts chapter 1. And the first verse we're going to look at is uh, 1.8. So I'm going to read that. Uh, Acts 1 8, uh, he says, uh, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the earth. Um, so, ministry for us as we know it uh, was uh, very different for the apostles, obviously. Um, because they were the first ones to go out. They were the ones that were the first ones to be indwelled by the Holy Spirit. And we know that that's the power of what we do. Um, I'm here not only um, as a testimony of, as to what God has done in my life, but He has placed uh, a commandment upon all of us, and that is to take the gospel. I like what Chewie said this morning. It's not for us to keep it to ourselves. Um, the good news is to go out and from the very beginning of the covenant that uh, God had with the Hebrew people um, was to take the good news. And they were all setting, setting this up. So I think that Rick and Brenda exemplify that. They, when, they, when I first met them, I met them when they came out here with Joel Hawthorne and they were going to do ministry. Um, I seen the, the, the fire in Rick and he reignited the fire in me. I had been to Urban Hope. 
Uh, he actually pulled up one time, but I never really got to meet him because, of course, Ed ran out there and <laughs> took, up, took, took all the time, and then they left. But it was a pleasure that they stayed with us. Um, Rick and Brendan have stayed with us several times uh, on their trips out here and when they first came out. Um, and it's been a blessing to have them encourage me and to mentor me in how to do ministry. Um, there's a lot of different ways to do ministry, obviously, but it's a calling that we all have. But not only that, but it's also a commandment that we start going through the scriptures. So I'm going to go to one more, actually, to uh, the next one is going to be Mark 16, 15. And of course, if we look at all of these, uh, the same message is being given to the apostles from different points of view. Obviously, we know that the Gospels are, are describing Jesus in many different ways. Matthew, is, he describes the kingship of Jesus Christ. And Mark, which is this particular passage, is uh, Jesus as servant. And then when we go to Luke, it's uh, God, the God-man, or man and God, which uh, Jesus was both fully and completely. And then when we get to John, um, he describes him as God. So in each one of these uh, particular Gospels, the message is still the same. It's the undeniable truth that Jesus was the Messiah, that he was the chosen one. They all, at the very end of their Gospels, come to that realization. Uh, as we know, they, they had problems with it. We got the whole book. I think Rick um, takes that very seriously. I think he's gifted in that manner. Um, when I see him evangelize someone, I learn something every time. I, uh, Brenda actually brings somebody to Christ with sign language. I mean, so there, there, there are no barriers. Um, as he describes here, uh, the power that you'll have will be when the Holy Spirit indwells you. And each and every one of us that have professed faith, we have all the equipment. People say, oh, I don't have that gift, I don't have that gift. We all have it. God made it clear that all power is given to you through Him, not by anything we do. And as long as we keep that in mind, we should be fearless of going out. I remember a pastor saying one time that my family will never get in the way of my ministry, because they are my ministry. And I know that's why Rick's going back home, because in many respects, that's his first ministry is his family. Um, but I just want to thank him for all the time that we had an opportunity to spend with him. Now, Roy gave me um, the uh, passage in Mark, but I really, really like the passage that is actually in Matthew. Um, and that's at the end of Matthew. And we are, I, I'm sure everybody here has read that numerous times, but it's the same message, so I just want to read that one. He says in Matthew uh, 28, um, beginning at... Uh, Verse 18, he says, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I command. And this is where it's a commandment. It's not an option. I think a lot of people kind of don't really look at that part of this scripture. But Jesus gave us many commandments, and the most important one he gave us was to go out and share the gospel, the good news. And he says, I command you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And so I want to just thank Rick for all the opportunities that I had to actually spend time with him, both bike riding with him and Roy and Mark, but also 
uh, not only in fellowship, but in mentorship. Because every time we sit down, we have a really good conversation about who Jesus is and keeping that at the forefront of what we do. So thank you, Rick. We're going to miss you guys a lot. I'm trying to hold it together because I don't like goodbyes. So until we see each other. Thank you. So all the glory goes to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So Pastor Roy said that he was uh, going to call the the brightest of the best, uh, but he got stuck with me, so... Bear with me. I'm going to share a portion of scripture. It's uh, in 1 Peter chapter 5. It's talking about elders, uh, and uh, a pastor, of course, is, is part of the eldership team as a, as a pastor teacher along with those, uh, the rest of us. And it's, it reads, The elders who are among you, I exhort, I am, I who am a fellow, fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers not by compulsion but by but willingly, not for dishonest gain but eagerly, not as being lords over those entrusted to you but by being examples of the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive him. You will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. One of the hardest things for any leadership uh, of, of any church uh, has to do uh, is put a uh, put a process in place to find a new pastor. And we did that a few, a couple of, uh, well, we started that over three years ago uh, uh, when we uh, lost the pastor that we had for a variety of reasons, but one primary reason. And, and so, and it hurt a lot of people, and it caused a lot, and it caused some people to leave. And so we were tasked with the job of finding a replacement. Now, it's, it's one thing to just simply go out and try to find somebody just to fill a hole. Because you can, sometimes you might get a, a square peg and try to jam them into a round hole. So what we did as a leadership team and as elders is we met all of the time. At least, more than, uh, weekly at least, more than weekly many times. And, and, and personally, daily pray for God to show us and to bring us His man his choice, not our own. And as we sifted through a variety of resumes and we, and we uh, consulted you with you, the congregation, on what you were looking for, um, uh, the Holy Spirit dropped this man right here into our lap, kind of serendipitously. I mean, you know, you, could, you saw it with what, how Rick, I mean, how Ved had shared that he, he came with another crew, another team, and we got to know him a little bit. Uh, and he was gregarious, and he was loud, and he had a passion for the Lord Jesus Christ like no one you ever met. Yeah. Then you find about his background, and you're going, really? Well, this guy really... I mean, I grew up in a little family home, and I you know, I, I don't have anywhere near that background. I would be angry at the world if I was him. You know, I don't know. But here's a guy who walks around, and he, and he just exudes the love of Jesus Christ. And we, and we caught on to that. We, we caught that. Uh, so as we began the process, it became more and more clear to us that the, that the, that the man that God was needing here to help us heal and to, and to uh, help us come back together again was Rick Cartagena and his lovely wife, Brenda. And if you know both of them, you probably like Brenda more than Rick. Uh, I, know, I know I do. Sorry, Rick. 
but so we called. Uh, so we, as a church, called Pastor Rick and Brenda to come and to uh, become uh, pastor, become a shepherd of our congregation. And he did just that. And he uh, he brought his enthusiasm. He plugged himself in where he could. And uh, his time here is short. It's shorter than what we wanted. Uh, but then again. You know, the Bible teaches us that sometimes uh, God brings us uh, 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 someone for that perfect season or that season in time. And we had a time that we needed someone specific, someone special, someone handpicked by the chief shepherd, our Lord Jesus Christ, to step into this role and to put a plan in place or to, and, and to, and to love on us in a way that we hadn't been loved on before. And so we as elders and, uh, and deacons, we really appreciate the, the, the love and compassion and the heart that both Rick and, and Brenda uh, brought to us. Uh, we wish them well. We know that wherever they, wherever they land, God is going to use them. He has, he's not through with them yet. Uh, he might find his way back out to California. I don't know. But the reality is, is God has a plan and a purpose for Pastor Rick and for Brenda. Uh, and it's not for, it's not, you know, we, we might not be happy with what God's plan is. But the last time I checked, God is sovereign and God, and God, and God, and God makes things happen in his own time. So we're going to see you guys go. We're, um, we're saddened. Um, I enjoy you guys living in our house, including the dogs. And, and, um, we just we just wish you well, and as 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 someone on the elder and on the elder board representing elders and deacons here, we appreciate uh, we appreciate the love, the enthusiasm, and the input uh, that you gave us. Thank you, David. All right. So my name is Margaret Omedo. My husband calls me Maggie, and so you all call me Maggie. See, that's the power that he has. Thanks, honey. Love you. All right. So, I am going to talk to you about worship. And the scripture that I chose on my own, because Pastor Roy said I could, was John 4, 21 through 24. And this takes place when Jesus meets the woman at the well. And she has a, um, he has a conversation with her after a while, and he says to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. How many of you have recalled Pastor Rick saying that we must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Truth. Not truth, but truth. Now, I have to make a joke because I teach kindergarten. And that's a thing. That's a thing. That's a thing. It's a thing to not pronounce the TH because it just is. So I love that he even made fun of himself at one point. He's like, okay, guys, here's the deal. 
here's the deal. This is how I talk. Get over it. Okay. <laughs> but how many times have you heard him say those things? We worship God in spirit and in truth. Yes? Yes. Okay. So I looked up, and the Gospel Coalition had a writer. His name is Sam Storms. And he explains that when you worship God in spirit, the spirit is your spirit. It must be sincere, motivated by our love for God and gratitude for all he is and has done. It's heartfelt. It's full of commitment, faith, love, zeal. Okay? And the spirit, because people argue about this, so not only is it our spirit, but it's our spirit entwined with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit then stirs our hearts to allow our spirit to be awakened to what God's teaching us. It opens us to see what God has done for us through Jesus Christ. And it helps us do the things we need to do and praise the Lord the way we need to praise Him. Okay? So, that being said, it's not just the Spirit, but it's the truth as well. So, in other words, you can't take the heat away from the light. So we're complaining that it's hot, but if we got rid of the sun, we'd be in a heap of trouble. We'd be dead. Right? So we can't take the light away from the heat, just like we can't take the spirit away from the truth. And the truth is that we must be completely grounded in the Word of God. And everything we say from up here and from those songs has to be biblically accurate. Because if it's not biblically accurate, we can't worship Him the right way in spirit and in truth. So, why do I say all of this? Because it is not in anyone's mind, there is no doubt that you saw sincere, motivated love for God through Pastor Rick and Brenda. Correct? They were grateful for everything that he did and it emanated out of them. Right? It does. And so after a while, we hang out with with Brenda on Thursday and we get really silly, especially with Dave Goodwin. He doesn't help. But we get silly and we laugh and and we joke. But here's the thing is that's who they are all the time. It, it it just comes out of them. And I think to myself, just like Dave, like, shoot, I'm not like that all the time. <laughs> but thankfully, I feel, and I think you probably can attest to this, that because of them being in our presence for the time that they've been here, we have a better idea of what worship looks like in spirit and in truth. Amen? Amen. On both sides. You see the spirit coming out of them and you hear the truth coming out of them. 
And we're very passionate with the worship team to pick songs that are grounded doctrinally. We, we look at the words. We, we try to make sure there's nothing that isn't correct. And I feel like we never... Never, I don't think I've, I don't know if this is true, but I don't think I've ever heard Pastor Rick say something where I'm like, uh, let me, excuse me about that. Uh, we maybe need to talk about that for a minute, because I'll do that. So, thank you for teaching me and teaching them how to worship. Because you guys, it, it's not, there's no show. It's never a show. And at first, I know people were like, is this for real? Right? It's for real, people. It is for real. So thank you. I love you. I miss you. But we already got plans to go visit. So. A common thing theme today seems to be correctly handling the word of truth. Um, I think that spoke to it a little bit when we first, when I first met uh, Mr. Rick and Miss Brenda. We were going out to uh, Hollenbach Park on a special evangelism time. Um, I didn't, I didn't know him. He didn't know me, but he came out there with us. Uh, Mr. Bett was there and the team was there and uh, Miss Brenda set up a kids ministry there where she was being silly with the children and, and, and falling to the ground and I'm looking around at her husband he's looking at her too not knowing what's going on here but she was relating with those children uh, Mr. Rick preached in front of the folks and that day through the word of truth, 16 people came to know the Lord. That day, through signed word of truth, we had a gentleman that had never heard the gospel because he was deaf. And, you know, you, when you see it on television, you're seeing these people signing. You don't really know how to take it. I'm wondering how many people does that affect. Well, I'll tell you what, Miss Brenda. That day I know who it affected. It changed my whole idea on it. And we've seen Mr. Rick get out there. Whenever we called a pastor, uh, like Mr. Dave alluded to, it's a very serious position to be in. We don't want to bring somebody in the flock that will take advantage of you in any way, shape, or form. Uh, we don't want to bring anybody into the flock that teaches anything other than the word of truth. So we looked for three characteristics when we brought when we were looking for a pastor. The first one, and this has been alluded to by almost everybody, I appreciate that. The word of truth. Uh, in uh, in Titus, it tells us he must. Okay, he says um, he must be hospitable. One who loves what is good and one who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. These are the things uh, of, of our Pastor Rick and Miss Brenda. He must hold firmly to the truth. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught, so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine 
and refute to those who oppose it. Mr. Rick has never gotten up in front of people in the name of a holy God and, and taught you anything other than truth. So I want you to understand you've been fed. Thank you, Mr. Rick, for these years that we've been fed the truth from you and Miss Brenda, our little ones. Uh, I don't know how many of you have gotten to see the Grace Kids that she has been uh, producing every week. I send it to my granddaughter because it's so good. I've encouraged Miss Brenda when she goes back east to continue making those videos and put it out on the internet and see what happens. See what happens. Mr. Rick believes that all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servants of God, all of those that are here with him, under him, may be thoroughly equipped for the good service that he has. Uh, the, second, the second thing that we look for in not only that he teaches the Word of God, but that he lives the Word of God. We've been damaged by pastors in our society who say one thing and do another. Uh, we don't have one like that here. He's, he's harder on himself as far as the parameters of Scripture than he is on, on you and I. Um, a lot of the churches nowadays uh, teach silliness. They teach feel-good uh, gospels to fill up their churches. We don't have a pastor that does that. He says that the, most of the churches that we have in uh, that I've seen in this country, most of them, have a form of godliness, but they deny its power. And, it, and the Bible teaches us to have nothing to do with them. A lot of a lot of pastors, a lot of leaders, uh, they claim to know God. And again, these are from scriptures I'm teaching you. They claim to know God, but by their actions they deny Him. They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for anything good. As I've known and spent a lot of time with Mr. Rick and Miss Brenda, they teach truth and they live truth. We've gone out many, many times in dark places and they both go with us, either at the bridge or at the park. Um, he goes around to the tents with us. One time we've been praying for this gentleman, uh, Benjamin is his name, for two years. Mr. Bett and I sat with him and teaching the Word of God. Mary Lou, his, his girlfriend there, was uh, a believer. But they were struggling. And, and Benjamin, through tears, my wife would speak to him. Through tears, he would understand the truth of the Gospel. But he absolutely would not embrace it. One day, Mr. Rick made the rounds with me. And we came up across Mr. Benjamin in the back 40 back there. And, and he started teaching him the word. I said, this is Benjamin. He, very clearly, he, he heard the word, but he's never embraced. And then he did something that startled me. My friend right here. He took this 25-year-old man who was steeped in drugs and alcohol in the world. He took him in his arms against Benjamin's will, I have to tell you. <laughs> but he, he wouldn't let go. And he whispered the word of God 
in Benjamin's ears over and over and over again. Not judgment. He, he taught him the love of the Lord and the forgiveness of the Lord. And I'd look at him and I, we had a young girl from back east on one of the teams that was there and I said, okay, start praying. So we started praying. And Mr. Benjamin, you remember, right? Mr. Benjamin, through tears, he was struggling. He didn't want to hear the Word. But Rick wouldn't let him go. And he was just teaching him and hugging on him and loving on him. Pretty soon, he relaxed. And Mr. Benjamin embraced Christ that day. Since then, he and his and, and Miss Mary Lou have gotten off of the park, out of the park, their home. They have a little baby girl, just delightful. One time, Mr. Bett, I think, had a message from uh, on, on the internet. This, she said, this is Mary Lou. Hello, brethren, church. This is Mary and Lou. Mary Lou. And I would like to say hi to Mr. Bett and Mr. Ron. Because when I was in danger, when I was at the park, they loved on me. They helped me. And I haven't had that meeting yet. But I hope to someday. But I want you to understand that he not only preaches the Word of God, but he lives the Word of God. And the third one, obey the Word of God. The Bible says, and Mr. Bett just nailed it, we are to go out into the community and make disciples, baptizing them. We finally have a pastor that will go with us. Not only go with us, but he organized and said, let's go farther. Let's go around the church. Let's go in Norwalk. Let's go here and there. There's a heart for the lost. And Mr. Rick, I have a heart for the lost. I have a heart for evangelism. You're a kindred spirit. You're better than I am. And I love you dearly. Miss Brenda, you have the heart of a warrior and the grace of, of a woman of, of a noble character. When you speak to children, Good News Club, they listen to you. And you change lives. Never forget any of this when you go back east. Then I'll end up with this Romans chapter 10. It says, As Scripture says, anybody who believes in Him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all those who call on Him. That's the foundation. But this is for you. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. Mr. Rick and Brenda, take that with you. Beautiful feet. Oh, thank you.
Alright, so I, I had a plan this morning that everybody that did not use their three or four minutes, I would use it for them, but Mr. Ron just took it all, right? <laughs> everybody, you know, it's amazing, uh, the beautiful words. Thank you, Pastor Roy, for, for having me speak about... Uh, Love and friendship, right? Unbelievable. Don't look at me because my eyes are going to start sweating, right? But, uh, you know, let, let me, since we're talking, we're sharing about, you know, the first time we meet, the first time I met uh, this, this couple, this beautiful couple, well, Ms. Brenda, beautiful couple, beautiful inside and out. Pastor's just beautiful inside, right? Um, uh, that's Eddie's fault. That's Ed's fault. Listen. They put two chairs here and he said, oh yeah, roast. I said, no, not roast. We're not throwing tomatoes at them. Not the way but the first time, uh, you know, I met this beautiful couple was actually the very first time that Angie and I came to Bible study. Some of you know that um, our testimony is that my kids had been going to the Goodman Club at E.D. Johnston and... Um, that's the Holy Spirit, I tell you, right? So, uh, you know, uh, my kids, we have been taking our kids to, to Bibles, uh, to a Good News Club at E.D. Johnston, and we would bring them here every Wednesday for, uh, for Bible study, but we were never stay. We would just drop them off and leave. So my kids didn't know this, but that was mommy and daddy. We would go out and have dinner. That was our time, right? Until one day, Angie said, hey, we should go uh, uh, to Bible study. And I don't know why, but something said, yeah, let's go. So we did. You know, and that very same day, I met Miss Brenda here. And I met, actually the week before that, I met Miss Brenda here. And I knew that the church had just, uh, we had just had a, a new pastor couple that came in from Philadelphia. I didn't know what they looked like, but when I spoke to her, I said, that, that, that's got to be the pastor's wife. Because don't nobody talk like that in the West Coast, right? Number one. The following week, I see uh, Pastor, Pastor Rick comes in. This is my first Bible study, by the way. And this man walks in. I don't know who said it, but somebody said it very loud. Right? Came into the room very late and loud. Right? Remember that high school? And look, and I knew he, who he was just based on his sweater. That, that ugly green sweater with the eagle logo on it. And I thought, that's got to be Pastor Rick. So that day... Um, we, we were out back here and, and just the bond began right there. I remember he gave me his number and he said, if you have any questions about anything, if I can help, he said, if I can help and serve you in any way, please do not hesitate to give me a call. And man, did he deliver uh, close to two years after. And, and I know this man, I can call him uh, you know, at any time and I know this man will deliver. Uh, it breaks my heart to know that, that they will not be here physically, but they will be here uh, in our hearts. You see, our families bonded in a whole different level. And I thank God, and this is the power of God. See, I never thought I would be in a church. And the, 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 the minute that that Mr. Tim said, you know, we have a new pastor, and they're from the East Coast. I didn't even know who they were. But that's when God grabbed that sledgehammer and broke my heart and said, you need to go to church now. Because I put a pastor there who's going to mentor you, who's going to guide you, who's going to love you. He has done everything, everything that, that, that God has delivered him for. So I have a couple uh, uh, couple passages that I want to read uh, here. Uh, Romans 12. I'm going to read... Uh, Chapter 9, actually, I'm sorry, Romans 12, 9 to 11. Um, and, and Romans 12, 9 to 11 says, Let love be genuine. 
boy, did they, did they give us love. Did they befriend us with natural agape love that the Lord, that the Lord Himself, you know, just put in their hearts. Um, unbelievable, right? Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Verse 10 says, Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. The love they project, you guys, it, it's, the love they project, it, it, it's so amazing how, how their friendship, their leadership, their mentorship was just so pure, right? And, and verse, verse 11 says, Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. We, we, they're servant leaders. You guys... Listen, every time uh, we, we would hang out with them, whether it be... All the time we hung out, we were eating. I don't believe right? Uh, so don't, don't believe that, that healthy stuff because... But anyway, you know, we were always, we were always uh, you know, enjoying a good meal and fellowship. But there was always a teaching from the Bible and every single... Everything. Miss Brenda was cooking up a meal... And talking about the Lord, and in the beginning, I was like, "Can I just eat and not, you know, have to hear?" But, but there was a there was a plan for all of that. There was it, it was it was a, there was a plan. See, God put them here for that reason, right? So I'm just so thankful for for everything they've done. Proverbs seventeen seventeen says, "A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity." See, when we got here, I believe the church was going through some adversity. I know Angie and, I, and myself and my family we were going through spiritual adversity, and we come here and see that passage says, "A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born from time of adversity." You guys, that is the Holy Spirit. That is God at work. See, we pray for God's will to be done, and guess what? He answered. Right? He answered. John 15, 12 and 13 says, My command is this, Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one more than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. And I believe Pastor and, and Miss Brenda, they would lay down, just a couple weeks ago, if I'm not mistaken, in his sermon, he said that that his... Uh, his, uh, his uh, family in Christ, he would put down his life for them, right, and he said, sorry mom, if you're listening back in Philly, right, and I really truly believe it, and you know what, I felt it, and I saw it firsthand, right, uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, therefore encourage one another, and build one another up, just as you were doing, see, well, there was, <laughs> see, this man, I don't know, he, he, there, there's something about him that he knew somehow, when something was not going very well, and anytime I asked him a question, the first his first response was, "Who have you been talking to?" Right, like a parent. Right, like who have you been talking to? Anytime he sensed that that something was wrong, he would always encourage me to do better. He has he has paved the way through the power of the Holy Spirit. He has paved the way for me to be not only a better son, not only a better husband, not only a better, better father. But, but a, a better, loyal servant of God. Every time that we would get together, you guys, if it was for lunch, if it was for dinner, sometimes breakfast, lunch, and dinner, right? We were driving, you know, girls with the girls, men, boys with boys, and, and it was there was always some scripture there. And, and see, one of the things I, I found out about Pastor Rick is that he's a, 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 such a technical person, and I'm more of a jolly relationship builder. And we bonded in a whole different level because of that. Because, see, his, his, his personality is more of the technical type. If you guys notice, to explain something so simple, he takes 
a whole paragraph to do it. But that's the technical side inside of him. Right? And we just bonded in a whole, whole different level. And, and man, am I going to miss this? <laughs> and lastly, uh, you guys, Job 42:10. Um, and I've seen it firsthand uh, with this man. He, he's always constantly praying. He's always just building, building us up. He's always encouraging. Uh, Job 42.10 says, When God, I'm sorry, when Job prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes, giving him twice as much before. So I'm very saddened to see them, to see them leave. But I'm very, uh, I'm, I'm at peace because I know that the Lord will deliver for them. See, they left their family back east and came out to California not knowing what it would be like. And, and, and again, we pray for God's will to be done. And, and God has a calling for them back east. And I know that whatever it is, God has His hand over them and will continue to do that. So uh, I'm very sad. I'm very, I'm very uh, I, as, as Beth said, I'm holding very, very hard to, to, to not have these tears fall. Uh, but but I'm just so thankful with God for giving me the opportunity to have met such amazing, beautiful people inside and out. And uh, let's just continue to pray for them. They leave tomorrow. It's a very long drive. Um, and let's pray and continue to pray that they that they're ministry. They're back in ministry. I know knowing them, they'll be back in ministry in no time. So we from the Gutierrez family, we love you guys, and we will definitely miss you. And and um, when you do come back. Don't go to Dave's house. Come, come with us. <laughs> Thank you, guys. All right, we're going to continue talking about gratitude. That's what we've been talking about this morning. Just our hearts are filled with gratitude. And so would you do this? Grab your Bibles uh, and go to Ephesians chapter 4. See, when uh, I just I had an epiphany this morning because Roy, maybe I didn't hear him right the first time. I heard thirty-four minutes, oh. not three to four Apparently minutes. Everybody else heard that. Maybe, <laughs> maybe that's the problem this morning. <laughs> so we gotta go fast because I gotta cram thirty-four minutes into three to four minutes. So uh, Ephesians chapter four. If you'll turn there, uh, verse eleven. We're gonna look at a couple verses here from Ephesians four. This is Paul. Uh, man, Ephesians is packed full of good stuff. So, uh, Ephesians 4, and find your way to verse 11. Say amen when you're there. All right. So, this is what Paul says. Paul says, in verse 11, it says, And he gave some to be apostles, and some to be prophets, and some to be evangelists, and some to be shepherds or pastors, and some to be teachers. Why? Well, he tells us, right? To equip the saints. That's you and I this morning. Right, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. We're to do the work of the ministry, right? So he, he, he puts all these people in the place to equip us to do the work of the ministry for the building up of the body of Christ. Again, that's you and I. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith, of the knowledge of the Son of God. And to mature manhood or, or personhood, womanhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. See, when Rick came uh, a couple years ago, we knew we were getting an evangelist. We knew that from the get-go. Uh, but I think what we quickly learned, or kind of the surprise that at least surprised me, and I, I loved it, uh, was that I quickly learned that we also got a shepherd. Because he, from the, the I remember the moment you got here, you're like, where's the church directory? And he grabbed the church directory, and I said, well, what, what's he going to do with that, right? He grabbed it, and he got his phone out, and he just started making phone call after phone call. Started in the A's, 
Lulu, you made you might have gotten uh, where's Lulu? You might have gotten the first call. I don't know. Uh, but starting with A, he's working his way through there, and and most of us he hasn't even met yet. But he's on the phone. He's calling. And then soon after that, it's on his bike, coming to our homes, trying to, you know, get into our homes, trying to have conversation with us. Which didn't work. Which didn't work. <laughs> That's my lesson for today. We need to open our doors, right? Um, but here's my lesson. Uh, if you can go to turn there, but maybe jot this down. Uh, Titus chapter 1, uh, verse 7 and 8. Paul says this to Titus. He says, for an overseer or an elder, as God's steward, he must, and he gives a list. It's kind of a do-not list and a must-have list, right? So he says, he must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain. And then he gives the but, or the rather, maybe your Bible says rather. He says, but rather he must be hospitable. He must be a lover of good. He must be self-controlled, and that list goes on. But I want to stop at that first one because here's what I've gained from you guys being here. Uh, you guys have demonstrated, both of you, what it means to be hospitable. Yeah. And that goes back to the shepherd and the caring, because a shepherd cares for the flock. A shepherd is compassionate towards the flock, cares about the needs. This is Chewy with sharing, right? Like, you're willing to get your number, you're willing to say, hey, whatever you need, call me, and I will, I'll come, I'll be there. Um, and you've demonstrated what it means to be hospitable. Um, I like to say it this way. It's kind of, they've given us a hospitality mentality. Right? And so I want you to remember that. Hospitality mentality. Because that's what Rick, Pastor Rick and Brenda have lived in these last years. I'm sure they lived it before they got here. All right? Because that just doesn't happen overnight. Uh, but, but Jesus also demonstrated this hospitality with us. Uh, right? And he demonstrated it showing that it's more than just a meal. Although there's a lot of eating involved, I think, in your time here. Right? But it's too much, right? Chewy, too much. Too much chewy. Uh, but, but it's more than just a meal. Yeah. Right? Because hospitality, I think a lot of times we think hospitality is like, I've got to have somebody over to my house and I have to prepare a meal for them. Or I could go out to a meal with somebody. But it's so much more than that. Um, here's what hospitality is. It's inviting someone into your home. It's inviting someone into your space. It's really just inviting someone to take part in your life. Um, it's listening. It's sharing with them. It's giving them. I think Paul says it's, it's giving your whole self to them. Um, and that's a picture of hospitality. In fact, first century culture kind of shows that oftentimes there was a meal, but meal wasn't always just for nourishment. Although oftentimes it was, but it was more than that. It created friendship, it created unity, and it created intimacy. Right? And I think a lot of us can probably stand here and say, yeah, Rick and Brenda, Pastor Rick and Brenda have helped us create unity, intimacy, friendship. Uh, and that's what we'll leave understanding and knowing from their time here. Um, but I'm supposed to be talking about Urban Hope. Uh, I'm going to get there. So Urban Hope, here, here's, here's what I love. When, when the first team came into Urban Hope, uh, we didn't have we were remodeling the bathrooms, if you remember over here. Remodeling the bathrooms, the showers, we didn't have them done. And I was like, what are we going to do with these, this group that's here for seven days? And uh, so I put word out there, hey, I need some homes. They were the first... One of the first families that said, hey, we'll open up our home. And so they took all the ladies, right? Was that right? Yes. They took all the ladies into their home from this team. They let them shower every day. They had a conversation with them. This group left. They, they fell in love. Seven days. Right? Made meals for them. In seven days, these, these ladies and even the guys on the team fell in love with Pastor Rick and Linda. And even to this day, they're friends on Facebook. They have conversation. Right? But that's because they were hospitable. They had a hospita- hospitality mentality. And then also there were many times when teams came in that I'd asked Rick, hey, will you come and share your testimony with the team? And he was always willing 
right, to share a part of his life, to let them into his life, to see into his space. And sometimes it was early morning, and we would get him up a little bit early, right, too early. <laughs> right, but he would always come and do that. And then I also love this about Pastor Rick. He was always willing, and this has been said already, but he was always willing to go and hit the streets with us. Uh, I've been around for a while. There's lots of pastors that have a hard time hitting the streets. Uh, a lot of Christians have a hard time hitting the streets. Right? But he was willing to hit the streets with us, to go to the riverbeds, the railroad tracks, the homeless, the encampments. Uh, and he loved the people, L.A., all over the place. Yeah, downtown L.A., we went everywhere. Um, and they, you demonstrated a hospitality mentality. What Paul was encouraging Titus with, I think you are encouraging us with. And so I want to say thanks for doing that. Um, I can say a whole lot more, but my 34 minutes are up. And, uh, but here's my, here's my challenge to the rest of us. Uh, how are we going to be more hospitable in 2020? I know it's a tough year to be hospitable. We can't, you know, we're, our space is important because of the coronavirus. Uh, but I'm going to remind you, God is in control. And uh, it's okay to have people over to your home. And we'll take safety precautions, but let's be hospitable. So what does that look like for you through the rest of this year? Because if we just stood here and talked about all the great things we're grateful for, but never did anything with it, we'd miss out. And uh, so I'm going to be more hospitable this year because of you guys. much for for all of us. And um, I am so grateful for them. Very grateful. As a little girl growing up in my grandma's house, she taught me many things. One of those things was prayer. She didn't sit me down one day and wrote in a piece of paper the steps that I had to, to take to learn how to pray. No, she didn't do that. But she encouraged me to go to the Lord in prayer. She said I could call on God at any time and anywhere. And I learned by her example. I would come home from school and she'd be in her prayer room praying. I'd be looking for her around the house during the day and she'd be in that room praying. So prayer has been very important in my life. And I'm very grateful to Pastor Rick and to Brenda 
but him because he preached up there every Sunday and he did emphasize a prayer life he focused on prayer in many of his talks Jeremiah 33.3 says call to me and I will answer and show you great and mighty things and you pastor not only in your sermons but in talking with you you know uh, when you see a person when you talk to a person you know what kind of a person they are you know and prayer is one of the things that I saw in pastor's life a lot I know sometimes I would call you and you'd be in the middle of your prayer I'm sorry but but that encouraged me you know to know that someone was out praying for us praying for his sheep I appreciate a lot what Tim said he's an evangelist he loves to go out and, and, and do all this work you know outside the church but you know what he cared for each and every one of them by calling by being there Sherry you should know you know he's been there for us for all of us and I believe that prayer has, has a lot to do with that prayer is not just for certain people like a pastor or a leader prayer is for everyone and pastor has given me a testimony of his relationship with God because of his prayer life both of you have been that example to me me working with Brenda in the kitchen yeah she messes around just like all of us <laughs> playing around and everything but when it comes to the nitty gritty you can bet that she has a word of encouragement for you and their lives has made me want a closer relationship with God you know in my prayer life to dedicate more time in prayer I will forever be grateful to God for you and for teaching and praying of a prayer life. And so as 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So, gracias, Pastor Brenda. Que Dios los bendiga, los guarde. Y dirija sus caminos siempre. Amen. Well, thank you to each of our speakers for their willingness to come and uh, use their 34 minutes. I have proof, written proof, that I asked three or four minutes. And uh, so I had this, this grand plan that if seven people each took the max four minutes, do the math, seven times four is 28. We're, you know, half an hour. That half an hour went by half an hour ago. So... Um, as I was sitting and listening and each speaker kept going longer, I thought, I gotta get up and stop this. I gotta I gotta at least stand up and let them know I'm paying attention. But you know, uh, God's spirit said, sit down, Roy, shut up. And uh, I'm just grateful for each of those who spoke and each of them who shared. And uh, wow, 
good stuff. We've opened up some special gifts of gratitude for the yeah. two of you this morning. That's been my hope. And wasn't my plan for it to take so long, but uh, God is good. Take your Bibles, and I now have my 34 minutes. Um, turn to Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10. There's a verse here that uh, was kind of undergirding all of what I wanted us to accomplish this morning by asking these seven of our church family to represent all of us and to open their gifts of gratitude. And We've expressed gratitude for Rick and Brenda's ministry and, and outreach and prayer and the scriptures and, and so many other ways. And in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10 we read these very, very significant words. For God is not unjust so as to forget your work and the love with which you have shown toward His name and having ministered and is still ministering to the saints. And in this simple verse, we learn a a basic, a couple of basic ideas. The first is God is not what? Come on, someone, you can read the word. He's not unjust or unrighteous. And so if you express that in the positive way, God is righteous. And He's just. He's fair. Have you ever said to someone, that's not fair? You can't say that to God. He always does what is just, what is right, and what is fair. And because He always does what is just and right and fair, what does He do? What's the next R word? He remembers. And so we have a God who always does what is right and just and fair. And in being right and just and fair, He always remembers. He doesn't suffer from short-term memory loss, nor does He suffer from long-term memory struggles. He doesn't have dementia. He never has Alzheimer's. God always remembers. And the writer of Hebrews says that what it is that God remembers is is three important things, three important words. He remembers your work, He remembers your love, and He remembers your service. And so the writer says God remembers your work, your labor, your effort, all that you have uh, poured into us and into our church family over the last two years, your work. God never forget that. Always remember it. And he says not only your work, but your love. And it's interesting. Love is described as being demonstrated toward whom? Toward the love, toward the Lord. And the way that that love is demonstrated, the way that that love toward the Lord is seen is how? In ministering to us. And so as I, as I think of these gifts of gratitude this morning, and I'm grateful that we have a God that never forgets our work and our love and our service for Him. And so we have much to be grateful for this morning, much more beyond even what our seven speakers have addressed and shared. But that's been our hope this morning, to open those gifts of gratitude and just to let you know that we're grateful for what you've done, what you've contributed in each of our lives over the last two years. And what I want to say is, press on. Continue. When you go back to Philadelphia, keep focused in ministry. And you're going to go back, and you're going to have family, and you're going to have other jobs, and so on as you go back. But ultimately, God is going to 
draw you into a place of ministry. Don't stop. Give God more work and love and service to remember. He can handle it. He's got a big memory, memory capacity. And I guess what I want to say to our church family as Rick and Brenda leave is that we too need to press on. We too need to devote ourselves to work and to love and to service. Because in my heart, what I envision, and I want to share more of this with you next Sunday when I really have 34 minutes. But what I want to say to you this morning is it's, it's our task, it's our privilege, our joy, our responsibility to carry on what Rick and Brenda have begun in our midst. And to build upon what they have established and what they've created, uh, created and where they brought us over the last two years. It's our, our privilege and opportunity to do that. And I wrote this sentence to myself. Years from now, we will all look back and celebrate what Rick and Brenda have done here and what God has enabled us as a church family to accomplish as a result of what they have accomplished in our midst in the last two years. That's my hope. That's my prayer. That's my expectation. And as we gather next Sunday, I want to flesh that out a little bit more. So our God remembers. He never forgets. Our labor, our love, and our service. And I don't know about you, but I'm really grateful for that. Because people forget. Over time, people will forget. God never forgets. I'm grateful for that. I want us to pray for Rick and Brenda. So often in the past, our tradition usually is we have elders or deacons come and pray. But what I'm going to ask this morning... What I want to ask this morning is that all of you that are comfortable, come and join me here around Rick and Brenda. I have my mask off. I'm going to leave it off, and others are going to come with their masks off. And you're, if you're uncomfortable with that, then kind of remain at the back and on the periphery, and that's fine. Um, I do my mask off so I can talk. <laughs> but I want you to just come as Rick and Brenda are seated here in their chairs. There you go. They're back where I wanted them an hour ago. Thank you. And I just want you to come and gather around them, if you will. And um, I have the microphone, but I don't intend to use it as much. But like I said, we frequently, in our tradition, always have our elders and deacons pray. And uh, more times than not, that's kind of how things go. And so I'm, I'm just looking for three people that are comfortable to come and take the microphone away from me and uh, offer a brief prayer of blessing for Rick and Brenda. So if you're willing to be one of those three people that's comfortable to pray out loud in front of all these people, um, come and stand here next to me and I'll hand you this microphone. I'm just looking for three. I don't need a bunch. All right, Beth, you're number one, and we'll get a couple more to pray. Dear Heavenly Father, um, we just want to lift Rick and Brenda up to you, Lord, and we ask for safe passage back to Philadelphia, that you'll make the, uh, the trip smooth, that you'll um, make their transition back into um, the workforce smooth. Um, we will keep them in prayer, Lord, um, even, even as they travel, but more importantly, um, throughout the rest of their time that 
as uh, Chewie said, we've formed a, a bond with them, Lord, and it's, it's, a, it's one that cannot be broken uh, according to your word, according to your truth. Uh, we are brothers and sisters in Christ, um, and we hold them uh, very dear uh, in our hearts. And so we just ask that you bless them as we have been blessed to have them. Um, and it's all through you, Lord. It was all your providence. It was all your guidance that helped them uh, get here, helped stabilize this church again. Um, we thank you for that. And we just thank you for all the time that you did allow us to share with them. And I just hope that in the future we'll be able to reunite with them, whether it be here or whether it be in heaven with you, Lord. We thank you. We praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Somebody else can pray? Eddie, you want to come and pray? Any of the children, any of our children feel comfortable to pray? I'll invite you to come. I'd love to have one of our kids pray for them. You're up, Eddie. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for breaking bread every day. We thank you then for allowing us in our, allowing them in our lives again. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we ask that you keep them safe on your trip back to Philadelphia, the Lord. Heavenly Father, we ask that whatever you have planned for them, the Lord, that they realize it, Lord, and they open their hearts, the Lord, to your will, the Lord. Heavenly Father, we're going to miss him dearly at this church, the Lord. Father, we just uh, continue, the Lord, to pray for them, the Lord. Our church is going to pray for them all the time, the Lord. We're not going to forget them, the Lord. They are you stamped in our hearts, the Lord. You will them to us, the Lord. And Father, we pray for them, and you, you, you raised us with them, the Lord. So, Father, we thank you for the Lord. And we just ask that you continue to bless them, the Lord. And Father, we praise you, the Lord, in your son's name. Amen. Thank you, Eddie. Got one more? Someone else like to pray? Are you raising your hand over there? This is like an auction. You raise your hand. Okay, well then I'll pray. Okay, I figured that, you know, as soon as I make transition and I'm ready to move, turn loose. Okay, let's all bow our heads and our hearts also all in one in one mind and one spirit as we pray for these these fearless Christians. Father in heaven we come before you. We kneel before your altar, Father. Uh, only there because you've asked us to come boldly before your throne of grace and to offer up petitions and prayers. Father, we do that, each one of us. We love you, Father. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Holy Spirit, we're sorry to lose these these mighty fighters for the Lord, Father, Mr. Rick, Miss, Miss Brenda. I thank you for their lives. I thank you for the love that they have for you. I thank you for the love that they have for us. Two years now, Father, they've been out ministering to our little ones, and I've noticed it. I've seen it. They've, they've poured themselves into our our family here. And we thank you for that. As they go back home, Father, uh, we pray that they will minister to their blood family too, the same way, Father. But now they have two families. They have a blood family, and they have a spiritual family, which is, which is us. We love them, Father. And we, we want you to take care of them. We pray that you will bless them financially, uh, physically, and spiritually. Uh, let their healing ministry 
uh, bathe the people and their families back home. We pray thank you for them being out here, Father. We know that there's not a building that can contain their spirits. That's why they're out into the community all of the time. And we thank you for that, Father. Thank you for such a man that loves you. Thank you for such a woman that loves you. Teach us how to do that, Father. For those of us that have a hurting heart for the little ones, especially, Father, we're going to miss Miss Brenda and Mr. Rick. We just pray that they will understand through the power of the Holy Spirit that the Lord is inside of them. Yes. The Lord is in their heart. Yes. The Lord is uh, will take care of them. Yes. And as they grow up, Father, I pray that they will want to be like Rick and be like Miss Brenda and serve you, Father. So just know that we love you, Father God. We love you, Jesus God. We love you, Holy Spirit God. In Jesus' name. I suspect the worship team is in total panic because their music's been blowing all around. I know they want, they have a song. And so, uh, Rick, you said you wanted to maybe say a couple of words before we finish. So maybe while the worship team is finding all their music and getting that together, maybe you can take advantage of the opportunity to, to share just for a moment or two. Not 34 minutes. Testament, both passages in both in Mark 16 and Matthew 28, the commandments to do the same thing, to preach the gospel, to make disciples. Second Corinthians chapter 5, 18 through 21. Preach the gospel, you are my representatives. Make disciples. Baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. My signature passage, Colossians chapter 1, 9 through 12. 
It's one particular passage that I've tried to be faithful in my entire ministry. And as it has been stated, it doesn't stop now. We transition from here to Philadelphia, but ministry must continue. It's, it's God's mandate upon my life. It's His mandate upon our lives. He wants us to serve Him in spirit and in truth. That's exactly right. I'm, I'm glad you understand. Somebody taught me long ago in the prison cell about the things of the Lord. Help me to understand. They, the people that God put in my life during my time there in college was the importance, the importance of truly serving the Lord, the importance of truly surrendering one's life over to God. Completely surrendering our lives over to God. And I learned early on in 1989 that my life doesn't belong to me to live out as I see fit. Jesus said, whosoever comes after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. So I understood from the very beginning that I had to cease to live. I had to cease to live. I had no more rights, no more say, no more leaning on my own understanding, no more living life on my own terms. And I learned relatively quickly to deny myself, to take up my cross, and to follow Jesus. And that's my encouragement to you. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Jesus. You don't belong to yourself. This is uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 19 and 20. I can go on and on. This body, this is the temple of the Holy Spirit. We don't belong to ourselves, we belong to God. Therefore glorify yourself, glorify God in your bodies and in your souls, in your spirits. we got to serve the Lord. Amen. And I know God's people here in this church are going to continue to serve the Lord. I want to thank you so much for your love, your generosity. Thank you for your friendship. I will never forget you. I'll send an email. You can be sure of that. I will send a text. You can be sure of that. And I will call you. You can be sure of that. Hospitality is in my soul. It's in my spirit. I, I, can't, I can't escape it. Because we are called to serve. Jesus said, Jesus said, I have not come to be served, but to serve. And I take that to heart. I trust that you will too. I want to pray if I can before we turn it over. Father, I'm so thankful. I'm so overwhelmed. I'm so overwhelmed. I so thank you, Lord God, for your presence in our lives here today, for your presence in our lives generally, for the salvation that you blessed us with in your Son, Jesus Christ. I am so thankful for the life substance of your word, this tangibleness that we can embrace as children of God, as believers, this eternal hope that we live with, that floods 
that moves in us as Jesus as like rivers of living water, this testament that we that we have and that we live with on a daily basis. Thank you so much for this individual experience that we enjoy with you. And then for the wonderful transition called community, for bringing us together as a family of believers. We are children of the Most High God. And one day, very soon, we will celebrate with you in glory at the dinner table that you prepared for us. The marriage supper of the Lamb. We thank you so much for this, these wonderful truths, these wonderful, wonderful truths from your word. Help us to press on, as Pastor Roy said. Help us to endure. Help us to persevere. Help us to be vigilant, to be sober-minded, knowing that the enemy is always walking about like a lion, seeking whom he may devour. Help us to be faithful to you, to serve you in spirit and in truth. We love you, and we give you this time in the precious and mighty name of Jesus Christ. And God's people say, why don't you stand as we worship together as we move towards closing the service? God is sovereign. He's the author, the creator of everything that happens. And when um, Rick and Brenda first started here, this was not the worship team except for Swag Daddy Buddy over here. He's the original band member. And uh, it's changed. And strangely enough, Brenda knows this, but I would have these dreams in the night. Like, not dreams like vision, but when I was asleep, I dreamed that I was singing with Brenda. But you know what? Look at us. There we are. So as sad as as sad as it is, we take this song and she's gonna sing to you. And we're gonna sing to them.